Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar. I'm blessed, honored, humbled to be the pastor at Salisbury Center in Middleville United Methodist Church, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. I do have a couple uh, announcements. This morning, Salisbury hosted the uh, joint church men's breakfast. And even on the 4th of July weekend, we had 11 men show up. So I'm just very pleased. We we all gained a couple pounds eating. Um, we had some really good fellowship, some good, good discussion, devotion time. And uh, we made some new friends. So I'm excited for that. Our next one will be in Middleville the first Saturday in August at 8 o'clock. So if there's any men out there listening to this, please come join us. You don't have to bring anything. Just bring an appetite and... Bring your Bible. This morning's memory verse comes from Psalm 62.5. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. Let us pray. Father God, we're gathered to meet with you this morning. Open our hearts to the many ways you'll speak to us. As you did with the prophets, you call us out of everyday lives to share your message of love and grace. Challenge us today to look within ourselves so we may be your disciples. Purify our minds from all the lies of the enemy and give us a deeper revelation of your word. Remind us of your unconditional love that we may continue walking in your ways and then to spread the good news to those who don't know you. As we think of your unfailing, eternal, enduring love, we look forward to the day when we will worship you in eternity. Your throne will be surrounded by people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, all testifying that you have remained faithful. We will all see that you've kept every single promise you made. We will all see your goodness and grace. We will all be transformed by your glory. We ask that we would glimpse that glorious future as we gather today. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join me in the call to worship. God calls us to worship today. We are here. All are invited, the sick, the well, the believer, and the doubter. We are here. Wash us, O God, may we be cleansed by your holy love. We are here. We are here, Lord, your people, your church, gathered together in your presence. Make yourself known to us through our worship, our prayer, and our understanding of your word. This is your day, and we shall praise you. Amen. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 29. 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 29. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you, you have been appointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one that denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. If you perceive that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who does right has been born of him. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. As we move to joys and concerns this morning, I... My prayer is that every time we do this, that you honestly find joy. This is this is such a troubled time in our country and in our world. It's important that we remember that God puts things in our path, in our lives, in our relationships, to for us to have joy. Not joy in the world, but joy in our salvation, joy in, in what our Father, our Creator has has done for us and continues to do for us. The birds, the flowers, the sunrise, the sunset, the, the little bunny rabbits that, that hang out by the parsonage window, that we would just take time throughout the day and recognize that. Recognize that and give God the glory and, and the thanks for, for those things he blesses us with. We have many concerns this morning, and, and of course we lift all those in prayer. I have two that I'd like to name specifically that were just given to me. Uh, one is a young man named Mario who's going through some severe health problems. And another one is a young lady named Ashley who was six months pregnant and uh, didn't feel the baby moving anymore. So uh, through an ultrasound, uh, they found out that the, that the baby had died. So... Um, this would have been their second child, and, and I did talk with her, and, and uh, I'm actually doing the funeral for her baby. But I would just ask that you would lift her and her husband and, and the whole family up uh, during this time and lift me up. This, this isn't easy for a pastor either. Uh, but just, just pray that the Lord would give me the words to say that, that I could be comforting uh, to Ashley and her family. And that they, they would not uh, hold it against God and see it as punishment. That they would turn, actually, that they would even turn closer to God uh, through this tragedy. So I thank you for that in advance. Let us pray. Father God, we begin by thanking you for your son, Jesus. Through him, we get to enjoy a great future. But Lord, we go through so many trials and sometimes they leave us feeling discouraged and hopeless about that future. So many bad things are happening in the world today that are causing some of us to lose hope in the great future that you've promised. Give us hope. 
Give us strength that we may be able to stand in faith and continue to walk in your great plans. Lord, sometimes it's it's just easier to hold on to pain and disappointment than it is to surrender to you completely. But holding on does not make things better. If anything, they only become worse. So today, Lord, today we choose to surrender all our problems, all our disappointments, and all our pain to you. We pray, Father, that you would deliver our souls from the wicked with your sword and cause us to triumph over them. Protect us from trouble and surround us with songs of deliverance. Lord Jesus, our most gracious Savior, we are humbled and awestruck that you took our sickness and our calamities on your body and you carried our pain and anguish and affliction. What love, what compassion. It's beyond our comprehension in the flesh. And now, precious healer, we ask that you touch those friends and family members that we lift today. Cast out all sickness with your word. Heal their illness so they can serve you and then give a testimony to the power of prayer. We pray all this in the precious, precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The title to this morning's message is Survival is Not Revival. Survival is Not Revival. We've spent the past two weeks exposing the corporate sins of our denomination and the impending splitting of the United Methodist Church into two different denominations. We are reminded Jesus and his apostles spoke of those false prophets, false apostles, and false brethren. 2,000 years ago. They warned that two opposing religions would emerge, but both claiming to be Christian. One, the actual church Jesus founded, would be led by the Holy Spirit and remain faithful to his teachings. The other, guided and influenced by a different spirit, would accept the name of Christ, but twist his teachings to create a convincing counterfeit of the true church of God. We read the warning from Jesus himself in Matthew 24, 4 through 5. It reads, Take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name and will deceive many. Jesus foretold that some would claim his name, but deny him by their teachings and their actions. He said they would call me Lord, Lord, but not do the things which I say. That prophecy continued to come true this week. The United Methodist Council of Bishops felt the abortion ruling should not have been overturned by the Supreme Court. They actually issued a public statement, and they declared, quote, they bemoaned the overturning of Roe versus Wade. They bemoaned the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Many people from both inside and outside our congregations have come to me in anger and sadness, asking, what can we do about the direction of the UMC? As I prayed over that question, I was reminded of Peter's first sermon after being filled with the Holy Spirit during Pentecost. After boldly preaching the gospel to the very people who participated in the murder of Jesus, 
the Bible says many listening had their hearts pricked. They were convicted by the Holy Spirit. And they asked that same question our people are asking today. Brothers, what should we do? We read this in Acts 2, 37 through 38. It reads, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40 says, Peter exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. The Bible says 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. Souls were saved. Lives were converted. My Bible actually has a heading, Revival at Jerusalem, prior to these verses. Peter led a revival and lives were changed. 3,000 of them. Some of you may have attended the revival at the barn that Mark and Sue Jones hosted for the past five weeks. I was blessed to be the guest speaker this past Wednesday, and I'd like to share part of that message. I believe we all need to hear it during these times of confusion and dissension. I started by admitting to the group that I almost declined speaking at the event because I really didn't understand what a revival was. I'm glad I said yes, of course, because it forced me to do a little research. I began by looking up the definition of revival. Here's what I learned. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. I could relate to that. It brought memories of all the years I stopped coming to church. My prayer life had suffered. I spent (laughs) much less time in the Bible, but I spent a lot more time in the world. My Christian walk was basically on hold for many years. I would wholeheartedly agree that my spiritual life was in a state of dormancy or stagnation for many years. The definition goes on to say, A revival involves the resurfacing of a love for God. A resurfacing of a love love for God. Now that part threw me a little bit. Because I, I would like to think or say that I've always loved God. But then I started to reflect on my marriage. I've always loved my bride. But there were times it may not have been evident just how much I truly loved her. There were periods in our relationship where I was complacent in showing her just how big a priority she was in my life. Perhaps I took our relationship for granted. Now, I don't remember when it happened or how it happened, but I finally figured it out. And my love for her resurfaced in everything I said and did. I made it obvious to her, even during those times when we had disagreements like maybe when my dirty socks didn't quite make it to the clothes basket. So as I was thinking, it makes sense that if we can get complacent with a person we can see, how much easier is it to get complacent with someone we can't see? 
we all need to experience a resurfacing of our love for God. We need to make a sincere effort to show him we love him by all we say and all we do, by how we treat others, and by being obedient to his word. We'll make mistakes, of course. We'll come up short. But just like any other relationship, we can admit it and ask for forgiveness and then try to do better. The definition of revival goes on to say that it involves becoming passionate for his word and Christ's church. Passionate for his word and Christ's church. I love that word passionate. It destroys complacency, laziness, and anything common. Passionate. You may not be surprised I had to look up the definition of passionate because I just love that word. But here are some of the words used to describe it. Intense, impassioned, zealous, fiery, heated, feverish, emotional, heartfelt, eager, excited, animated, spirited, vigorous, strong, energetic, frenzied, wild, fierce, consuming, flaming, raging, burning, uncontrollable, and ungovernable. That's what we're called for not only for his word, but his church, that we would wake every morning with an intense, eager, frenzied, and fierce desire to read and learn what his word teaches us, that the desire becomes so wild, raging, and consuming that we recite scripture throughout the day as we face this chaotic world. On a side note, My prayer is that our 3x5 card project will help us create that passion for Scripture. Or maybe the bookmarks that Caroline places in the Salisbury Center uh, Bibles each week. And then, what about Sunday mornings? The definition says we should feel those same emotions just at the thought of coming to church and being a part of the body of Christ. I guess that's why my mom dragged me to church all those years, and and then my bride and I dragged ours, hoping that that passion would be created. Well, it may have taken more than 40 years, Mom, but it worked. Thank you. Revival also calls for a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin. Convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin. Now, we addressed corporate sin Wednesday night when we prayed and asked for forgiveness for the sins of our denomination. I would ask that we all continue to do that. But we also had an opportunity Wednesday night for each of us to be made aware of our personal sins. And then we gathered at the cross and asked for forgiveness. You see, I believe if we are truly, truly going to have a revival, it has to start with each one of us each individual. It has to start with each of us turning back to the Lord and recognize him not not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. That means Lord of our lives, Lord of our thoughts, Lord of our words, Lord of our actions, and certainly Lord of our lifestyles. Second Chronicles 7.14 assures us, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then 
I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We are his people. I pray by the time we leave here today that we will have humbled ourselves, prayed, sought his face, and repented of things that we need to repent of. Each of us needs to find that same zeal Jesus Christ had. Zeal meaning focused desire, characterized by passion and commitment. Focused desire, characterized by passion and commitment. Our focused desire needs to be God's glory in everything. All we say, all we do, and how we treat other people. And I love the call to be passionate. Remember those words that describe passionate? Intense, impassioned, zealous, fiery, heated, feverish, emotional, heartfelt, eager, excited, animated, spirit, vigorous, strong, energetic, frenzied, wild, fierce, consuming, flaming, raging, burning, uncontrollable, and ungovernable. Like we can't control it. We are called to be passionate Christians, passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Why is it so hard for congregations to say hallelujah or amen or to raise their hands in church? We should show the same passion or even more as we do for our favorite sports teams at our high schools or on TV. Romans 12, 11 tells us, do not lag in zeal. Be ardent or passionate in spirit. Be passionate in spirit. Serve the Lord. We show zeal or passion for our teams and stadiums and our living rooms, but in church, we tend to sit on our hands. Jesus displayed zeal when he overturned the money changers' tables and cleansed the temple in his devotion to God's glory, as I mentioned in last week's message. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that Jesus had a zeal for God. Well, brothers and sisters, there shouldn't be a doubt in anybody's mind about our zeal for God. It seems that modern-day Christians have been lulled into survival mode, hoping and praying that things will get better in our denomination, our communities, and our world. But that's not what the Bible says. We will have trials and tribulations. There will be trouble in this world. We somehow slipped into survival mode, into some kind of dormant state, just waiting for changes to happen. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, survival is not revival. One commentator wrote, revival invigorates, invigorates and deepens a believer's faith. Revival opens his or her eyes to the truth in a fresh new way. It generally involves a fresh start with a clean slate, marking a new beginning of a life lived in obedience to God. Revival breaks the charm and power of the world, which blinds the eyes of men and generates both the will and power to live in the world, but not of the world. So let's start there today. Let's humble ourselves and ask God for forgiveness for our sins and turn back to him and his word with passion. Let's ask for that fresh start. Let's ask for that clean slate in our lives and commit to a life of obedience to God.
Today, I'll give everyone an opportunity to come to the altar and pray during and after communion. And when we leave here today, let's find that passion for Christ, that passion for God, that passion for the Bible, that passion for the church body, and that passion for our loved ones. Let's go from survival to revival, brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen? In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus.
Amen. Give me Jesus. So now during in-service at this time, we're going to move to communion. Of course, listening from home, we'll move to uh, the love feast. So if you have something to munch on and something to drink, uh, please do that now. And just a reminder that the love feast is not communion. Um, They're not uh, the sacrament. But it's just a regular meal enjoyed with brothers and sisters in fellowship, thanking Jesus for his sacrifice, getting closer to God, and uh, and just being part of that body of Christ. So um, if you want, go ahead and do that, and we will close the love feast with the Lord's Prayer. So pray along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All things have their origin with our Father, and from these riches we freely give, that his church might grow not only in this place, but throughout the world. We move to the offering, and again, from my heart, sincerely, thank you. Thank you for blessing our churches. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for uh, making a difference in our ministries. Let us pray. Father God, we bring our gifts to you this day, confessing that we have often missed or dismissed your miracles because they didn't present themselves in dramatic, startling events or grand transformations. Give us eyes that are constantly on the lookout for the small and subtle ways you make your power and presence, love and mercy known to us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, pray for the world this week a world that needs to know God's love, God's hope, God's peace, and God's joy. And now receive the benediction. And now may God shield you on every steep. May Christ aid you on every path. May Spirit fill you on every slope, on both hill and on plain. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please, Stay safe and stay in his word. God bless you all.